0: You know when there's an elephant in the room, it's that big topic, that obvious problem or risk that nobody wants to talk about? Well, my next guest has a solution. She's communications expert, Diane A. Ross.
1: She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner.
0: Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know, but somehow should, or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, brought to you by... Business LLC
0: Diane A. Ross teaches entrepreneurs and professionals how to tackle difficult conversations fearlessly. After a 14-year career as a litigation lawyer, she learned that her guns blazing communication style that won cases in the courtroom was damaging in relationships in the rest of her life. That realization led her on a 10-year journey to uncover the secrets of effective communication in times of conflict. She brought her lawyer's zealousness to the process, of course, and she devoured the research on the topic. She trained at the Advanced Negotiation and Mediation at Harvard Law School and became a certified executive coach. And in 2012, started Elephant Conversations to bring her system for tackling difficult conversations to the world, knowing that each one of us could be one conversation away from having anything we want. She's an accomplished and sought-after speaker, and Diane was a 2013 semifinalist for the North America's Next Greatest Speaker Competition, hosted by eWomen Network. And, of course, she's the author of The Elephant in the Office, Super Simple Strategies for Difficult Conversations at Work, something we can all use. Today, Diane brings her easy-to-implement tips and strategies to hundreds of people and organizations through webinars and speaking events. And that's why I'm so jazzed to have her here to join us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Diane.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Me too. I'm glad to have you because I love the metaphor of the elephant in the room. We have all been in situations Mm. where there's an obvious problem at the office that people are afraid to talk about. In your experience, what are we afraid of that keeps us from moving forward?
1: Well, it's interesting, you know, it's I think we're so fearful. I think it's a couple of things, but I think the biggest thing is we're fearful that if we bring it up, that we're going to make things worse. That somehow, you know, if I bring up this topic, that person might get upset. They might react. Maybe they'll give me the cold shoulder. And, you know, it's just going to make things worse. So we tell ourselves this story and then kind of convince ourselves it's not worth
0: saying anything.
1: And I think that's one of the big, big reasons.
0: But in some ways, saying nothing just feeds the elephant and and makes the problem bigger, though, doesn't it?
1: Well, and that's the thing. I think that sometimes when people get into these situations, they, they kind of don't take that into consideration. So if you have, say, a colleague, for example, who consistently comes to your team meetings late and you know everybody's waiting and resentment is starting to build and people are getting frustrated and and nobody says anything nobody holds that person accountable lets them know the impact then what we're really doing and that's a, you know sending the message that that's okay to come late um and the chances are that person will just continue to do it so i think that's what we forget is that when we don't say anything we're really sending the message number one that everything's okay they're not a problem and what happens is it builds and builds and resentment builds and then finally and you know, that person comes in late for the tenth time and you blurt out some unpleasant comment and then you know we're the ones who end up looking foolish because you know we kind of maybe overreacted in that particular situation. We don't think about the cost of not saying anything and we are sending the message that it's okay. So if somebody speaks to us in a way that we experience as disrespectful or maybe they tell jokes but we don't find them funny or, you know, they're not getting, you know, they're just not stepping up and doing their share of the work and we don't say anything. We're really sending the message that it's okay and we're going to get more of that behavior. And I think we forget about that. I think the other thing that happens is that generally problems get bigger. They don't get smaller. Like elephants get bigger (laughs) as time goes on and the problem becomes, you know, something that started out, well, if I just dealt with this, when the problem first occurred, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But now here I am six months later, you know, and people have gotten more invested in doing things a certain way and you haven't dealt with it. And now all of a sudden this problem is much, much bigger than it would have been, you know? And, And when I think of those kinds of examples, I think back to when I was a lawyer, you know, when, you know, as a junior lawyer, a senior lawyer comes into your office, you know, they give you a file, you know, they tell you to work on it. And if you run into problems, you don't get that help right at the beginning usually the problems start to escalate and they don't get smaller, they get bigger. And, you know, so I always remind myself of that, I ask myself this question, you know, if I look ahead, you know, a week from now, a month from now, or a year from now, um, if I don't say anything, if I don't deal with this problem, am I okay with that? What is it gonna look like? And when I ask that question, It's really given me the courage then to say, you know what, this is something I need to deal with now because this problem is actually going to get worse and I'm going to feel worse about it if I don't deal with it. So that's a question I love to ask myself and I know a lot of my clients have found that to be a super helpful thing in terms of figuring out, yeah, there is actually a really big cost to not deal with it.
0: Does it make a difference where somebody sits in the hierarchy of an organization? If you have supervisory responsibilities and you see that someone is chronically late to your meetings, yeah, you have a responsibility to your organization, to your team, to try and correct that behavior and to address that behavior. But if you're the person sitting in the room watching this person come in late and you're just one of the team, you're not in charge. And the person who is in charge just is turning a blind eye. I mean, I remember one situation where the person holding the meeting, the head of the department, was actually having a bet with everybody else in the room to see how late that person was going to be. I mean, they turned it into a joke. So how do you address it then if you're the person whose time is being wasted and it's it's turned into, yeah, an elephant with babies?
1: hmm Well, you know, I think there's two potential conversations there. Um, if I was that, you know, if, if you're that person who who's feels like your time's been wasted and then it's become, it's become part of the kind of folklore of the culture, is, number one, have a conversation with that supervisor to let them know, you know, I just want to talk to you about what's going on and the fact that, you know, Joe is coming in late and it seems to be almost becoming, you know, a little bit of something we make a joke about. I'm actually finding it really frustrating. And here's why. This is what's going on for me. And to really share it in that way, rather than, you know, what happens usually is people think, well, the supervisor or the manager should be doing something. Why aren't they doing anything about it? And then we start complaining to our coworkers and our colleagues about it. But that doesn't change anything. So you know, to have that real heart-to-heart to let that supervisor know, or that manager know, this is the impact for me. And here's a concern I have about, I know we're all joking about it, but I think to my sense it, this is that really, this is really impacting everybody on the team. Now you can't force that manager to have the conversation, but at least you put it on the table on a way of owning what's going on for you and being really definite about it. And the other option is, and a lot of people think, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I feel uncomfortable. Is yes, you can't. You know, as a as a colleague, you can't go to that person and say, I expect you to come to meetings on time and blah blah blah. But you can still let that person know, you know, I've noticed this pattern. And it, it's it's really bothering me because I don't know when you're coming. I, you know, I feel like my time is being wasted and. I starting to feel like resentment's building, and I don't. I'm concerned about that. You know, then at least you give the person the opportunity to know what's going on for you. I think the key is all about how you do it.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about how you do it because I think that's where people kind of choke because they don't know how, and so it's like you said earlier, maybe it's just not worth it. Uh, you know, if it doesn't bother them, then it's not going to bother me. And and but in reality the elephant is still there and the elephant squeezing the oxygen out of the room. And that starts to be the only thing people notice, whether it's somebody coming late or other kinds of habits that they have in the office or how they're even talking to other people. Some folks can be very Mm -hmm. disrespectful in bullying and without it necessarily crossing a legal line. That's a whole nother thing. I I don't even want to go there. But, you know, the the things that just make it hard sometimes to be in in an office environment, the things that cause the H issues people you know for one reason or another how do you prepare to have that conversation
1: yeah that's a great question because I think that's where people get hung up when they start preparing they they go ah this is too complicated um and so I don't want to do it and and it actually doesn't have to be complicated that's the beautiful part I mean the first decision is number one you make the decision that this is something that's worth speaking up about this is something there's too big of a cost not to say something because even if nothing changes You know, if you have let that person who interrupts you know that it bothers you, at least you put it out there, right? You feel more empowered. So you make the decision first and then sit down and think, okay, well, what is my, the first thing, I, I always go back to this, is what is your goal for that conversation? And to get really clear on that. And I think sometimes people want to skip that and just figure out what to say. But once we really think about the goal, it's going to help us to stay really, um, it's going to help us to find the words, and it's going to help us to stay on track if the other person has a reaction that we find difficult to deal with. So, for example, let me give you an example. So, for if with the late person, you know, if you're the colleague, your goal might be just to say, you know what, my goal is just to let the person know that it's bothering me and just let them know how it's impacting me not to shame them. It's not to uh, to let them know everybody thinks they're being a jerk. It's none of those things. It's just, I want to let them know, like, well, I don't know when they're coming. I don't know if I should really come to meetings on time. I'm starting to feel frustrated. I just want to share what's going on for me and let them know. And then if they have that in their mind, then as the conversation goes, if that person tells them that they're being petty or it's not a big deal or they're late sometimes, they won't feel that same need to react because they can just go, right? You know, my goal was just to let them know what was going on for me. You know, I don't have to get into a defensive response and have this thing escalate. You know, I could just simply go back to saying, you know, I just wanted to know what's going on for me and leave it at that. So, again, that, that, that first part is having that goal. So Something interrupts you all the time. I mean, I hear that all the time in every organization. There's that one person who comes to meetings, railroads over people, nobody knows how to deal with it. And so if you're preparing for that conversation, you might feel a little bit intimidated. Again, you want to start with, okay, what my, what's my goal for that conversation? Um, so your goal may be, again, to just let that person know how it's impacting you, that you're finding it hard to get your thoughts out. Or you're, if you're managing that person, you might go in to say, look, your goal might be your concern about how it's impacting other people's ability to contribute meaningfully in the meetings. You know, your goal may be to bring it to their awareness and let them know that you're concerned about it, and it might be to set an expectation, you know, because if you're managing something, you can set that expectation. So that's the first thing, is have that goal in your mind. Now, the tempting goals that people would love to have are things like, well, I just want that person to change. I want them to be a better manager. I want them to stop talking. I want them to come and work on time. And none of those things are in our control, and Although there may be consequences if you're managing somebody and they continue not to come on time, your goal is really, it may be, to set the expectation or let people know how we're feeling or share a concern. We want to really be careful when we start to fall into, oh, my goal is to make that person change. Because as soon as people hear that in your voice and your tone or anything, they dig their heels in. They really dig their heels in. So that's the first piece. Have that goal in mind. And then you can, then from that, your message coming up with what you're going to say kind of flows naturally because it helps you to take out all the hot language instead of it's so rude for you to come late or you're not respecting other people's time. You know, you could say, you know, when you come late, here's the impact for me. And I'm pretty sure, you know, my sense is this is impacting everybody. And I'm, I'm concerned about it. Big difference when we own it versus, you know, hurling that blame on the other person you're inconsiderate it's rude it's disrespectful all those kinds of things that will just get people's backs up and get the reactions that we dread and so that's that's the first piece so have that goal which will help you then to craft that message i like to call the messages adc being accurate brief and clear like talk about what the issue is get to the point and stop right there's that tendency to say too much there's that tendency to say too much and so those are those are a couple of the keys to preparing and know, just know when you go into that conversation that the person is going to have a reaction. Right? People want to safe face. They're going to probably be defensive. I don't think, I don't know about, I don't know if you had of you, but I've never had somebody who I've talked to about being late or something like that where they haven't had an excuse. Absolutely. Right? And a temptation, <laughs> right? And then there's that temptation when they come up with the excuses to then go in and address all those excuses to then get... I get, I call it getting sucked into rabbit holes, pulled down all these, you know, getting into a bunch of things that aren't related to what you wanted to talk about. And that's where it's like knowing that they're going to react and that you don't have to jump in. You can just let that flow. It's a really empowering place. It gives you a lot of confidence to know to have these conversations.
0: All right. I can understand that that gets you into the conversation, but, but let's. Take that rabbit hole concept for a second, because you're right. Somebody's sure. going to have a reason, and sometimes it's a good reason, and sometimes it's not. How do you keep from getting pulled into
1: the rabbit hole? Okay, well that's a great question because I mean, obviously, you know, we're human beings and we're complicated, and sometimes information comes up that we don't know about. You know, so for let's go back to that example of somebody being late. They might be, well, look, you know, this is what happened today, and they might have something really legitimate right? And so we can acknowledge that and say, I, I get that, that that's a situation where it was tough to get here. My concern is I've noticed this pattern, right? There's a pattern, you know, of you coming in consistently late. You know, like 10 times this month, you come to meetings between 20 minutes and half an hour late. And that's the thing I'm worried about. So bringing it back to what, what, the, what the real point is. You know, other times people will just go off on rabbit holes saying, well, you did this and you did that, you did this and you did that. And I think with a lot of that stuff, I just let it go. I just think about it. Just I like to think about it as putting on my Teflon suit. Put on my Teflon suit, and as that stuff comes, just let it slip off. I don't need to address it. I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to deal with that. You just let them say what they need to say. And a lot of times, we can just go back and say, I understand things come up, or I understand that you know you wanted to move that meeting along, and you thought it was important to you know speak over a couple of people. I have a different perspective. And my concern is that everybody has a chance to, to contribute in these meetings. And I don't think that they were able to do that. So just coming back to the point.
0: Okay. So then how do you end that conversation?
1: <laughs> that's, the, that's one of the toughest parts. That's a great question. And I think a lot of times, you know, after we've, sometimes you need to acknowledge what's going on for the other person, their perspective, and sometimes it's awkward when you end them. You know, it just is. And so if you're dealing with a situation where, you know, somebody responds by saying, well, I think that you're being petty and I don't think it's that big of a deal. And, you know, you're late sometimes too. And you can say, I get, I get we all have stuff going on. I just, you can just end it by almost like repeating your original message and just saying, look, I just wanted you to know where I was coming from on this. Or if you're setting an expectation, you can say, look, I understand a lot of things come up, you know, that get in the way of getting the work done. And I need to know my expectation going forward is that if you run into trouble, that you come and talk to me, that you let me know what's going on. A lot of times I will like if it's if I'm dealing with the way somebody has spoken to me or like when we're talking about how you feel about something, it's like you're really coming from that place and just saying, look, I just wanted to know what was going on for me. I just wanted to know where I was coming from on this. And then just walk away. There's sometimes that the funny thing I find with difficult conversations is we avoid them, we avoid them, we avoid them, we avoid them. And then we finally get so upset we finally say something. And then we're mad. So a lot of times the best, you know, our best behavior doesn't come out. And then we can't stop talking because we're nervous and we just keep talking and it's awkward. And I think it's really starting to lean into and get comfortable with those moments where it is a little bit awkward, the silence, that you say that to you need you to say, look, I just wanted to know You know, when you made those comments to me in front of everybody in the meeting, you know, I was, I was really embarrassed. Well, it keeps coming
0: back to that goal that you set and and just keeping Mm -hmm. that front, front and center, that that's the only purpose not to go further. What about follow-up conversations? What kind of follow-up should there be?
1: Well, I think that it really depends on the situation, obviously, but if, if you're supervising somebody or you're managing somebody, then, um and I think this is really important for any of your listeners who are new managers to really set the stage for their, for their leadership, is that if you've had that conversation with the late person and the interrupter, then as soon as if the behavior happens again or the situation happens again, to address it immediately, right. Um, And to really know what your follow-up plan is going to be. So maybe that late person, your, your follow-up plan is, look, I need you to find a way to come on time. If you can't, I'm going to have to ask, ask you to send somebody else from your department or not inviting them to the meeting, or there may be other consequences. I think in the back of your mind, you want to, you want to know what those are so that it, it, it can be that sense of, I think you feel more confident even when you have that initial conversation. Sometimes you may think, okay, you know what? I've just told my colleague, right? This is not something I'm, I'm managing about being hurt by a comment or what have you. So, you know, maybe your decision is, you know, going forward, if they, if they say it again, you're going to bring it up again. Or maybe you're going to, to be asked not to work on a particular project with them. Just having that in the back of your mind, there's no right or wrong answer in terms of a follow-up, but it's having that idea of what might that be for you that feels right for you, given the, given the circumstances. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I people are so relieved. Oh, my goodness, I finally had the conversation. Yes. And the other person seems to, they really got it. You know, it seems like they really, you know, it's things are good. And then things start to slip again. And that's when we kind of say, okay, if it starts to slip again, what's my plan? You know, am am I going to HR? Am I going to start to write this up? Is this going to be, is there going to be a disciplinary thing? Is there going to be a follow-up conversation? Am I going to set up meetings? It's not getting worked on time to ensure that if there's a problem. I know what's coming and know what your plan is. So I think that's kind of, that's a big thing. Sometimes your follow-up plan is, you know what? I said what I need to say. I'm, I'm going to let it go. It's in, it falls in their court.
0: All good options. All good options. So tell me, why did you write the book, The Elephant in the Office? What
1: prompted that? Well, I, it's interesting because I you teach what you need to learn. <laughs> so, I I really. I was good at conflict from a lawyer kind of perspective of conflict. I was good at arguing and cross-examining and all those kinds of things. But it wasn't very good at resolving conflict in my own life. And you know, as I started to go through this, you know, the, the midlife crisis at 40 and thinking, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do and recreate myself, I I realized that there was a so the way I was communicating, especially in my personal life, was really having a negative impact. And I wanted to learn to do things differently. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to be proud of my own, my way of behaving and how I was dealing with things. So I started reading books and taking courses and learning and seeing. I had this particular mentor of mine, Scotty, who he just was able to have these conversations that were just so difficult, but he did it in such a loving and um, direct and honest way, right? But he was still so, you know, he really did talk about the straight goods and I thought, I need to learn to do that. To, to still be that direct, honest person, but to do it in a way that wasn't so offensive. And so, as I was reading all these different books, and I started teaching workshops, and and I thought, well, I had all these books, and that I was, you know, reading, sharing with people, and all of the, a lot of them are amazing books. I found so many. It was, some of the procedures were so complicated, I couldn't remember the seven steps, or the nine steps, or the, all these things. I thought I want to put together what I've learned in a more simplified way, something that's really accessible. And I want to like share like little things that, you know, like little tidbits of like, how could you say this? And how could you, I want to, I want to share that so that people have something concrete. That I think was the the motivation was to, to write that book was I wanted to make it easier for people to start to use this, to start having these conversations without it feeling so intimidating.
0: Well, it's helpful because it was a
1: book I would have liked to have had (laughs) when I started. (laughs) Yeah, because these
0: conversations, they need to be had more frequently than they're actually having. And so having any kind of cheat sheet or help guide to make it simple because everybody's already got a plate that's so full, adding more to it. It's like, oh, now I need to learn to be a diplomat. I don't have time for that. You know, this needs to be done. Boom. Let's get it done. And so I, I really enjoy the subtitle of your book, Super Simple Strategies for Difficult Conversations at Work. Can you give us one super simple tip that we could start applying like today?
1: Yes. <laughs> and um, I would say the the biggest tip that will help people is when it comes to when you go into a difficult conversation, you do your preparation you know, before you actually go into that conversation, do like something that's going to make you feel super confident, okay? So one of my favorite people, I'm sure most of your listeners have seen this TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, and she talks about doing power posing, which is, you know, body positions that make your body large before you go into, you know, any kind of a stressful social situation. And just doing that before you go into that conversation can just, like, kind of give you that confidence to, okay, I can do this. Um, and there's, there's some scientific proof behind that. So that's an amazing, amazing thing to do. And the other thing I think is anticipate how the person is going to react. Instead of going in, you know, hoping and crossing your fingers that they're, that they're not going to react and that, that it's all going to go smoothly, it's like, hmm, what's this person likely to do when I bring this up? oh, right, yeah, if I bring that up, they're probably going to get defensive or they might get angry or maybe they'll give me the silent treatment. Okay, you know, so that when it happens, you can stay the course, that you don't feel flustered, that you don't end up, because that's usually where things go wrong is when the other person reacts and then we just, the knee-jerk response is to retaliate and we end that react-retaliate cycle. And if we can anticipate how they might react, then when it happens, it just takes the sting out of it. And we can just stay grounded.
0: Good points. Listening has a big role in all of this.
1: That's the funny thing about difficult conversations. You do all this work to prepare, but the other person should do most of the talking. The less you say, the more people hear you. The more succinct that you can be, the better. Because otherwise, our message gets lost in a sea of words. We give people more to react to. And it's very counterintuitive, right? Because we're nervous. It's uncomfortable. So generally, most people, when those situations, and they're finally actually in them, they just start chattering and chattering and chattering.
0: Well, Diane, your career has had some really fascinating twists and turns. And it sounds like this mentor of yours, Scotty,
1: has had a major influence. Absolutely. He's an yeah, he's an amazing, amazing man.
0: Well, you're very fortunate to have had somebody like that to help guide your choices as you've moved forward and I congratulate you for being a recovering lawyer (laughs) because litigators in particular uh, suffer from a very high divorce rate for exactly the reason that, you know, you talked about, the the relationships. After a Mm. while, every conversation turns into a deposition. It's kind of amusing when I see them at at these network functions and um, association meetings. You can spot them in a second just by the way they ask questions. (laughs) It's actually a little common. Well oh, yeah, and
1: you get two litigators together, that's even uh that's even more interesting. And my husband is a surgeon, so he's not exactly a wilting wallflower. So you get a surgeon and a and a courtroom lawyer and like look out. You know, that is where my work started is I wanted to save my marriage and I was not becoming the kind of person I wanted to be to deal with conflict. And yet it's not about, you know, and this is the thing is so many people are like, well, I just won't say anything or I'll fuck it up. or It's not about not letting the other, other people know about how their behavior is impacting you. It's not about not setting expectations. It's not about not speaking your truth. It's the thing that Scotty taught me. Do all those things. But just it's how you do it. It's taking that hot and judgmental language out of it. It's about speaking about what's going on for you. You know that this is how you're feeling this is what's going on for you this is what you need to happen right to be able to move forward I think sometimes sometimes new managers are afraid to say look I want you in this position you know here's some things that are working but these are the things that really need to be worked on here's some, some areas that we really that that need to be addressed and not to be afraid to bring that up and just coming from that place of really like that not non-judgmental in terms of we just there's that tendency where it's so easy to come up with that language, especially as we get upset and we let things build. You know, when we talk about that's rude or disrespectful or inappropriate or unfair and all these kinds of hot things that just set people off and it doesn't really serve us. We can, we can be much more a powerful communicators when we can really get past that and talk about what's really going on in terms of the issue. Here's the problem. You said you were going to do X. It wasn't done. We were relying on that. Here's the problem it's caused.
0: Great advice. Great advice. And and just having the time to sort of sift through it because we are all human. And so it's natural to have a reaction and to be angry, regardless of which side of the desk you're on. But certainly in a leadership position, whether you're running your own company or you have a department responsibility, division responsibility, or the corner office, your CEO of a big company, you need to be able to master these types of communication skills to be more effective and to let things run more seamlessly. So I thank you so much for sharing these these tips and these insights. And of course, we're going to have a link to your book elephant in the office on business confidential radio.com as well as information on how to contact Diane on business confidential radio.com if you'd like more of her insights or like to work with her or have her speak to your group. Diane, do you have any parting thoughts for the audience?
1: We're just about out of time. The parting thought is to really, you know, when you get yourself into one of these situations where you're feeling stuck, is just to take that step back and really ask yourself, am I okay if I don't say anything? And am I okay if I don't do anything? We suffer when we hold on to these things. And we don't talk about them and we pay a huge price. And I don't want people to suffer because it's not that difficult to have. So make that choice for yourself. Yes, I want to speak up or no, you know what? I'm really going to let it go. And if you let it go, let it go. If you're going to speak up, then just spend that little bit of time up front to get ready and head into that conversation knowing that if you've done that preparation, it's going to be so much easier. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It just, it's just spending that time preparing Um, and being productive instead of spinning and worrying and being upset. And it's it's just such an empowering thing. So just really about making that choice and making the choice that's right for you.
0: Terrific. Good advice on how to get empowered, some tips about how to think about these conversations. Diane, thank you so much for your time and for sharing these tips. And it's just been great to have you on the show. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a blast. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, brought to you by Business Mo LLC.
0: Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website businessconfidentialradio.com Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website again is businessconfidentialradio.com And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential Now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you and the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website businessconfidentialradio.com and connect with me on social media too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed till then